All right, church, a little bit different type of service and, and teaching today. A couple of things that I want to begin with, both for our family and for our visitors. Um, one of our core values here at NBC is called the word, okay? And when we say the word, what we mean is the word of God and the word of God. I know that sounds like the same phrase, but, but they are not. I mean the Word of God, the Scriptures, the 66 books of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, all right? God's speaking to us. I also mean the Word of God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The living and active Word of God in the form of His Word and His Son. That's very important to us. And how we play that out is literally 80 or 90% of the time that you are here. 46 to 48 Sundays a year, we are just digging through the word, all right? I think we've been in Luke for the last 97 Sundays, okay? So, you know, we've probably got 90 more, but we're digging into the word, all right? We have already burned through, I think, I think I've done 13, maybe 15 books of the Bible uh, since I've been here. Side note, today kicks off year 10 for me. I've been here nine years today. So this is the start of the 10th year uh, for me here. So if, I, if, I, if God allows me to make it one more, we'll get, we'll get to 10, all right? But today makes nine, and that's, that's a lot of fun. So we focus on the Word of God, okay? That's number one. So today, though, I'm preaching about how we're going to dig in and what we're going to dig in when it comes to our small groups, our community groups, our life groups, the way we connect with one another. It's easy to shake hands and say hello here, right? But you really get into lives, you really get into study, you really get into growth when you break it down into smaller groups of people. Now in Acts, when the church began, they played this out in this way, all right? It says that they gathered in the temple courts and in homes. They gathered in the temple courts and in homes. So what that means is they came together as a community in a large group and celebrated God together at the temple, right? And then throughout the week, they gathered and they talked and they studied about what God was doing. It says that they took their prayers and their food and their offerings and they, they just took them together so that no one was without, right? All right. And it's so weird to me. I've, I've literally in the past three or four years, especially through the coronavirus, all right, we've had a couple people who joined us, a couple people who left us, a couple of people who didn't come back. And I've actually heard this phrase. Um, we really love the people there and we really uh, enjoy your teaching. We're just looking for something else. We didn't feel connected. Okay. I've heard that word. We didn't quite feel connected. And here is the first question out of my mouth. Hey, did you get involved in small groups? Every single time. Guess what the answer is? Nope. I'm, I'm not sure what else I can do. Now, there are some of you who are like, I cannot stand the fact that that bald-headed little dude has been talking about small groups for six weeks now. Listen to me. I talk about what's important. That's me job. All right? If you're in a bank, guess what they hand you? Money. If they started handing you bananas, you wouldn't go to the bank anymore, right? I'm not going to blow sunshine. I'm not going to feed you anything. I'm going to say what's important. The minute I stop saying what's important, I need to stop being up here, okay? Now, 
having said that the word is important, having said that large group is important, having said that small group is important, that is where we're putting our focus. Are we still doing kids ministry? Absolutely. Are we still doing student ministry? Absolutely. Are we still going to have some fun things that go on? Absolutely. But we're focusing on the main things, the gathering of the body and the teaching and the immersing in the scriptures in our small groups, okay? And this time, God told me on the treadmill three, four, five months ago, all right, that we were going to be, um, uh, this is what we were going to do, all right? So some of you were so excited, have bought it. You've told us you bought it. Jamie's arrived yesterday uh, morning on the steps because she thought I had one for her. Whoops. All right, so... Um, Preston took it. No, I a bunch of small leaders, bunch of small group leaders uh, took them. But as I read this book, I was like, "This. It, it's not a bad thing." People are always like, "Hey, you're always saying the Bible. Can I read spiritual living books? Can I read, um, 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 you know, Love Wins? Can I read um, the C Celebration of Discipline?" And if you want great books, I'll give you a list. I will. All right, but. Sometimes it's good to hear another perspective, to see another perspective, to be inspired by something. And I was just, I was inspired. I mean, I, I did write Healthy Church, and there's a lot of similarities between the two. But you need to hear from somebody that's not me, okay? And so for 12 weeks, we are going to look at these traits, all right, of what we're calling the irresistible church, okay? Now, when you hear that phrase, the irresistible church, you think about a church that is irresistible. Thank you, honey, for playing. Can you teach the rest? All right, you hear about a church that is what? Irresistible. So let's talk about what irresistible means. Irresistible, alluring, all right? Magnetic, desirable. Whatever this thing is has an incredibly powerful draw. Would you like to be a part of a church that when people came in, they left and they're thinking, man, I just, I, I just, I just want, I want to go back. I, I, I like being there. I, I feel something there. It's, it's got this magnetic quality. Anybody want to be a part of a place like that? Me too. All right. Here's the deal though. Here's the deal though. We want to be irresistible to people. Look at the next line. We want to be irresistible to heaven more. Absolutely want to be a place that Jessica, absolutely want to be a place that Miss Pat, absolutely want to be a place that, that Ethan, uh, that Les, I absolutely want to be a place that they want to come. Absolutely. But when we're talking about irresistible, we want to be a church that is irresistible to heaven, to the kingdom. We want the angels, all right? I don't know that they wake up in the morning. I don't think they sleep, right? All right. But we want them to be like running toward the little cherubims, the little fat angels and the little skinny angels with their little wings on. None of them look like that. I'm just saying. We want them running together going, it's almost 1030. It's almost 1030. And guess what? We love it when the people at NBC gather. Come on. Don't you want that? Don't you want God going, yes? Think about it this way. If, if you have an incredible idea, right? People send in ideas all the time and they're looking for investors, correct? And, and you want to invest in something that has value, that's doing what you need done, right? Well, listen, heaven has unlimited resources. 
Listen to me. Heaven has unlimited resources. Do you know what I want? I want to be the type of church when Jesus is divvying out his full blessings, he's going, I can't wait to spend my treasure there. That is where I want to put my blessing, put my money, put my power, put my authority. I want to pour it out to them. That's what we're looking for. Now, sounds good. You know, some of you are like, this is fun. He's not reading the scripture. He's not doing the theology thing. It'll be over in 20 minutes. I love you. It's fine. Others of you are like, oh yeah, oh yeah. You're like that that big that big uh, um, uh, alien on Bugs Bunny. I'd like that. I'd like that very much. Yes, yes, yes. Marvin Martian. I love him and huddle him and call him George. Yeah, you're like, bring me more, right? Okay, I want to bring you more. I do. I want to tell you more. But until you are ready to say, I don't just want to hear good things. Until you are ready to say, I don't just want my preacher to preach godly things. Until you can sit in that pew and say, take these words and change me. My time is worthless. Do you understand? When I wrote Healthy Church, the introduction said, I and we. I and we. And here's what that means. Everything I say today has to be applicable or applicable, depending on what syllable you put the emphasis on, okay? It has to be applicable to you as an individual. So Cecily has to say, God, how is this working in me? All right? And then the church has to say, how is that working in us? So some of us will sit there, and as I go through the list today, you're going to go, NBC's that, NBC's that. We probably could work on that. We probably could work on that, and NBC's that. And that's great. But are you saying, Kendi is this. Kendi is this. Why you? Because I was looking at you. Tecumseh is this. Uh, Talia is this. Ethan is this. You, you see what I'm saying? Are you, are you self-evaluating? Are you letting Michael Jackson speak to you? I'm talking about the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. Are you allowing it to occur? Because if it doesn't, we don't have anything. All right? We don't have anything. Look at this slide. When an idea hits our head, all right? Craig says a line and you're like, hmm, okay? That's information, right? When it touches your heart, you find what? Inspiration. When it starts to seep out of who you are, that's called incarnation. The Bible teaches that. You meet Jesus, you hear his name, he comes into your heart, you now have a relationship, he pours out that river of ever-flowing water. And this is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The power of God working in the hearts of people. And that is what brings what? Transformation. So listen to it all together. When an idea enters our head, it's information. When it touches our hearts, it's inspiration. When it seeps from our very being, it's incarnation. And that will bring transformation. All right? Make it our goal. Second Corinthians, make it our goal 
to please him, whether at home, in the body, or away from it. Because there is something that happens when we desire to please God, when we yearn for his investment in us. There is a byproduct of that type of living. When you are fired up about Jesus, people get fired up about Jesus too. You become an irresistible church to man who is searching for something. When you are living in the presence of the one they need to find. The byproduct of being a church that heaven applauds is that we will become a church that man desires. How do we do it? If you come near to God, not to Craig, not to worship, not to a building, not to a class. If you come near to God, says James, God will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. All right? So how do we go about this? Let's accept where we are, people. Let's accept where we are. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. If you are looking for a perfect pastor, please don't come back here. Please. If you have an image of what you need me to be, can't help you. If you think that I'm here for you, I am here for you, but I'm not here for you. I'm here for God and I get to help and be a part and share with you as a byproduct, okay? A healthy church is not a perfect church. But the introduction of this book says, here are some things, and these aren't the chapters, these are some things that an irresistible church um, uh, has. These are characteristic traits of an irresistible church. And here, I want you to play the am I and are we question out right now. So, if a church is truly irresistible to God, one of the things that is happening there is that the people are growing spiritually. So, Riley, uh, Herod, Jessica, uh, Michael, are you more spiritually strengthened? Do you have a deeper knowledge of who God is and a deeper understanding of the Holy Spirit today than you did when you began here? That's the question. Is NBC making progress with each of us and our small groups and our people becoming more and more spiritually mature. Okay? Sit on that for a second. An irresistible church has a strong sense of mission. And listen, I will be the first to admit that we rise and fall because we're human on our mission involvement and mission excitement. There are a few people here who will serve no matter what, but we get excited when it's Guatemala time and then we take a few months. We get excited when an event occurs where there's a tragedy and we're all in and then we really just kind of forget about it. We all in in New Orleans and then we forget and we're all in in Mobile and then we forget and we're all in in Mayfield and then we forget and we're all in in Eastern Kentucky and then we forget. All right, we do this sometimes. For a church, it looks like a calendar. We think that we have to do vacation Bible school. We think that we have to do marriage retreat. We think that we have to do a Christmas sermon. We think that we have to do an Easter sermon. But at the end of the day, why are we doing what it is that we're doing? 
Is it for you or is it for others? And we've taken a good look at that. And I'm proud to say prior to preaching this message, our staff sat in a room and went, hey, do we love Thrillies and Chilies? Yes, we do. We love Thrillies and Chilies. However, Thrillies and Chilies has gone from 150 people, 75 of which are our people, and 75 of which are people that we bring in, to 80 people, all of which go to church here. So we've created an event where we can dress up in our clothes and judge each other's chili and wave at each other and go home. It is no longer about mission. It is about us. We ain't doing it. We ain't doing it. We're going to take advantage of the fact that 8,000 people from Jessamine County are going to be downtown that night, and we're going to make them chili. That's a mission. Are, do we have a strong, do you have, do we have a strong sense of mission? All right. Now, this is a fun one and I've heard this a lot and I'm thankful for it. One of my favorite stories about this, all right, is is the Gabbards, okay? And, 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 And the Turners and how they felt that first few weeks they got here. You long to be there every week. I remember Zoe posting on Facebook about her new church and I long for those moments, right? So when, you, when you're on vacation, it doesn't feel right. I mean, I'm not telling you you should go to church, but do you know what I'm talking about when you go on vacation and then you're like, wah, wah, wah. you know, Sunday's good and it's nice, but I miss home. And home is this place, all right? Uh, Cassandra's nodding because Cassandra has a lot of irons in the fire with her, with her, her children and her, her foster children and her family and her father being a pastor and her brother being a pastor. And she wants to be fully supportive of her church family, but fully supportive of the family that God has given her. And she knows after six years, seven years, that we know that, all right? But she also knows that she's had a, she could have a ball or watch someone get baptized or see her brother and go, man, I love it when he sings or when he preaches. But I know that she knows that we're home together and that she is happy but has a longing for for here, for her church family, all right? I love that. Do you long for this church when, when you're not able to be here? If you don't, big question. Big question for me. It's not blame, it's a question. Is that on you or is that on us? Is that on your expectation or is it on my implementation? Oh, that was good, by the way. Those two words worked really well. Do you long to be there each week? All right. Do you want to invest for the long haul? Let me do this one backwards to help us understand that. After about six months, are you going to shop around again? That's the best way to say that. We live in a world of church hoppers. We live in a world of church hoppers. <laughs> They've told, they told me this before. I planted a church in, in Virginia. One of the top 10 things that people said after 10 years they wish they'd knew. Number two was, those who are with you today won't be with you tomorrow. Another one in the same list. If they'll leave a church for you, they'll leave you for a church. If you are a church hopper right now, I am not coming down on you. I am not picking anyone out. We've all needed to leave to find something. But listen, you've all also heard me say, I would love to have you give me two weeks. If you aren't drawn back here, sit in my office. I will tell you where to go. I long for you to have a home that you want to invest in for the long haul. I want, I trust them with my money. I trust them to make mistakes and then not make those mistakes again. 
Maybe they did Thrones and Chili's two years too long, but they remedied that, right? Maybe they invested in it, but they remedied that. A church that grows in itself. I want to invest in the long haul. I want to see where we are five years from now. And guys, I have a vision. I have a plan. It is, God has not said it is time to draw it out for you. Oh, it's already drawn out. He just hasn't said it's time to draw it out for you. When we rolled out the, the covenant and when we rolled out the, the, the idea of, of that kind of membership, God was clear. I can tell you where I was, what car I was driving, where I was coming from and where I was going to when he told me. All right. I know exactly what weekend it was. I, can, I know where I was on the, on the planet. He just hasn't said that yet, but I have it. I have it because without a vision, the people what? Perish. Do you want to invest for the long haul? And when I say invest, I mean really invest because my, my visions ain't cheap. And they don't need to be. I have a God of what? Unlimited resources. I want to be the kind of church that he can't wait to pour into. Come on. Doesn't this one speak for itself? An irresistible church is something you want other people to know about, right? Some people come in here, all right? Um, the Salines. The Salines were huge in this. When they got here, and Steve, <laughs> Steve sat at Bob Evans with one other young lady and me, and he said, I got a church, but whatever you need, I'm in. And he showed up for the night service of the, of the time I was here. <laughs> he didn't know that when he said whatever you need I was in, he meant his wife, all right? But about nine months later, 10 months later, that conversation began, all right? And when they got here and they were like, you know, we, they, they still love Southland. They know that I love Southland. That worship and that teaching is strong, all right? But there's a sense of community that you can find. And they knew, I don't know that they knew it would take 10, 15 years, but they knew we could have it. And so they told the, the Moberleys, all right? And, and, and the Moberleys and the Salines told the Minks. And the Moberleys and, and the Minks told the Whitmores, all right? And then there was all oh, the G's. And the G's told the Anglins and the Anglins told the Laws. And then they told their parents, come on, they just want to tell people about their church. That is a trait of, a, of an irresistible church. All right. Do you want to tell other people about it? All right. This last one. I put two in one because I don't because I'm preaching, I guess. All right. I didn't think they were separate. You are both relaxed and delightfully challenged. You're relaxed enough to know that you're not walking into a sanctuary where everybody's like, does he have a tattoo? I can't tell if that's a tattoo or not. Do you, think, do you think he will wear the right type of clothing for our service? Do you think the preacher will? You're relaxed enough to know that your anxiety, although something God wants to relieve you from, is welcome here. Your brokenness, although it's something that God wants to mend, is welcome here. You are relaxed enough to know that I don't have to be perfect to come in here, but you cannot stay there 
you are delightfully, yearningly, you desire to be challenged, not to be what you were yesterday, but more of what he wants you to be tomorrow. Jordan Peterson says it this way, don't compare yourself to everyone else. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Delightfully challenged to grow, relaxed enough to be broken. That, that is what people yearn for. That is what God yearns for, but you can't do half of that one. It doesn't work. You can't just be the other half of that one. That doesn't work. You can't be licensed and you can't be legalism. We could do that sermon all over again and we will because everybody needs to hear it every year. Are you both relaxed and delightfully challenged, all right? Are we ready and willing to learn and change and grow because we cannot stay where we are spiritually, okay? What do we have to do? We have to attend, okay? This is where people make mistakes about leadership. We're going, it's fine. No, no, when you attend, you are a fan. You are in the stands. You are cheering on the game. You are applauding when we stop them on third down and fourth down. You're applauding when we win, what, 26-16 or whatever it was. You're excited about it, all right? But I'm a, if I say, woo, we won last night. No, we didn't win. They won, all right? I cheered. God's not looking for cheerleaders. He knows how good he is, all right? And that ain't arrogant. When you're the best, you know. It's hard to understand, but it's the deepest of theology. All right? All right, look, we must attend, but then we must be equipped. People think a pastor's job is to feed them. My job is the same as your job when you have a toddler. It's to get you fed and then guide you through the mess of learning to feed yourself, and it is a mess, and then celebrating when you can feed yourself and then your desire in mission to do what? Feed others. Attend, be equipped, and go purposefully. I love this. Irresistible churches are champions at leading people closer to God, being conduits for the Holy Spirit to change lives and impact society, impact their city, impact around them for good. Not negative, but for good. And I would amend that to say for God. That personally, this is his line, but I would have written for God because we all know that you can do good things that aren't God things. And that's hard. That's one of the hardest times for me to come to you and say, hey, I, I know. I know you want to do this trip. I know you want to do this serving. I know you want to do this <clears throat> I know you want to sing on the worship team, but um, you can't sing. All right? I know that you say you want to work with children, but I've seen you. I know you want to work with No, you don't have the temperament, okay? See what I'm saying? You, you, that's hard. Good things are not always God things. So, as I want to help you be excited about where we're going. And I told you last week, especially if you're a member, I'm not asking you if you're coming to small groups. I'm asking you where you're going to small groups. We started this morning, nine, nine this morning. Woo! Come on, Ric Flair, woo! 
I'm excited, y'all. We got two more small groups today. I believe before we're halfway through the week, we're going to make our average for the last three years. I do. We've been averaging between 80 and 90. I think we're going to be there by Wednesday. And we still have a Thursday group after that. I'm, 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 I'm excited. All right. I have big goals. These are some of the things that an irresistible church lives out consistently. And these are the chapters in the book, all right? An irresistible church hungers for the presence of God. Is that biblical? Of course it is. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. We hunger and we thirst for what? His righteousness. So chapter one is, how do we become a church? How do we become people who are hungry for the word of God, all right? An irresistible church remembers who she is, all right? Here's the phrase that you would use if it were in non-spiritual. An irresistible church doesn't get too big for its britches. And that doesn't mean numbers, all right? That means right up here. An irresistible church remembers that we are the bride of Christ. We are being created and grown to go arm in arm with the Son of God and be His beloved. She remembers who she is. An irresistible church lives heart first. An irresistible church doesn't let the details, they're administratively strong, all right, but they don't let their mind get in the way. Well, I'm not sure if we have the money and I'm not sure if I have the time and I'm not sure if they'll let us build that here. An irresistible church lives heart first, all right? What does God, the God of the Holy Spirit, deep down in my phroni, in my spirit, in my center, in my core, what is that calling me to do? An irresistible church is one that can go, I'll run when the elders and when the people around me say run, whether it makes sense or not, I'll bring the foot water to the master and tell him to drink it if Jesus says I'm supposed to because he's about to do something big. That was fun. An irresistible church practices gratefulness. Listen, listen. We are a country. We are a people of pursuit. We teach our children to pursue education, pursue graduation, pursue financial gain, put away for wealth. We teach our children, and these are not bad things, but in the chase, we forget to be grateful for what we have. You do not live. You do not live. You do not thank God like you're in the top 1% of the income-making people on the planet. You don't but you are. Everyone in this room is in the top 1% of the in, in income making people on the planet. Do we live that way? Do we give that way? Do we love that way? An irresistible church is a thankful and great. Don't you love running into people when you meet them? They're like, man, I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful for what God's doing in my life today. Well, what do you need? You know, there may be things I need, but right now I'm just, I'm just thankful for, I mean, grateful hearts are, uh, mm. Uh, an irresistible church promotes healthy relationships. Here's what that doesn't mean. Are we championing when people are friends and when things are good? Yes. But promoting healthy relationships means going, hey, you two, sit down, shut up. That ain't healthy. That is disunity, and disunity drives people away. We need unity. Well, I don't like him. Well, I don't care. Jesus does. And we love them where they are. We just can't leave them there. Correct? 
All right, but don't give me lip service. We're gonna live like it. An irresistible church is always learning. The higher you climb, the more that you see. The more that you see, the more that you learn. The more that you learn, the more that you know. The more that you know, the less that you learn. The less that you learn, the higher you climb. It's a big old circle. All right? Ed Kilburn wrote that song years and years and years ago. All right? That's all it was. It's a loop. All right? Not like Pete and repeats in on a log. No, no, no. It's not the same. All right? Are we always learning? Are we constantly finding ways to be better? Because that... God will be like that. They know they're not there. They know they're not home yet, but they're running towards it. A healthy church promotes self-feeding. Our sermons for the next few weeks are going to focus on that, how to grow, all right? And I've said this phrase and I'll say it again, milk, not meat, or meat, not milk, all right? I'll give you milk for a while, but then it's time for steak, all right? I wanna teach you how to find the steak of the word of God on your own without me. I wanna work myself out of a job. I need you guys to be there for that. Connects everything to a soul. We don't do things for financial gain. We don't do things for man's applause. We don't do things because it might bring in numbers. We do things because people might not go to hell and might go to heaven. Well, Craig, what if they don't? Not on us. Not on us. Go plant the seeds. Water, let a sunshine. But if they don't grow, say, God, what do I do next? The fields are ripe for harvest. If we're doing this, it's going to be over and over. We're not going to be able to keep the baptismal empty. Okay? An irresistible church chooses to love. I will love you where you are, but listen to me. Listen to me. Here's the part you don't like. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. That's Revelation chapter three, right around verse 17. After the comma, it says, so be earnest or get real in the new translation and repent. Don't argue with me. Don't fight with me. Say, thank you, sir. Might I have another? Might not feel good, but it's for your growth. I'm choosing to love hard. Come on. Let's take some risks together. Let's take some risks together. Like in the book of Samuel, all right? When Jonathan goes down and his dad, the king, is sitting under the pomegranate tree and he goes down into the valley and his armor bearer says, I'll go too. And there's a whole army up there. And he says, how do we know? Hey, God told me to go. Daddy's sitting still. I don't think we should. And he gets down there and he looks up. He says, well, if somebody waves and says, come up, we'll go. The other army looked over the cliff, waved and said, come on up. So they went on up, <laughs> killed like a hundred people and came back down. Woo, got to take a few risks. And you know what? If you'll take a risk, somebody's probably going to be right there behind you going, let's give this a go. An irresistible church takes some risks. They're not, they just, they don't want to just be comfortable. Come on, here's what happens. We start winning. We're a football school now, right? Hey, don't get cocky. Work hard, stay humble, and let your record speak for itself. Don't talk about how good you might be or you ought, you ought not be. Oscar Shibway, did y'all see those quotes from him? I've won every trophy that I can win. It's time to get a trophy for my school. There, nothing will keep me from my goal. You stay focused on the task at hand. I am never too good. God is the standard and you'll never reach it until he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion. When? In the day of Christ Jesus. When he comes back or you get to him. 
and the Humble Church has a plan. You know why I'm so excited about this? Because we've had a plan. Those weeks have been written on my wall for four months. The elders saw them three months ago. The days off have already been set out. The study has already been done. The books have already been bought. The small group leaders have been prepared for four weeks. We have a plan. Now we need the next one. What's the next plan? That's what we're doing. That's where we're heading. I want you to come too, okay? Small groups start this week. Small groups start this week. I want to pray for you. Then I got a couple things to tell you. And then we're out of here. Off like a dirty shirt. Okay? Let's pray. If you don't have a book, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on christianbook.com. You can get it on Barnes and Noble. Or you can come tell me and I'll have it here in a couple of days. Okay? Father God, nothing I can do makes me irresistible. Ask my children. Ask my wife. But what you can do can make us irresistible. We want to be a church that you are drawn to, that heaven applauds. We want to be a church that has an incredibly powerful draw. But we cannot do that. Apart from us, we can do, apart from you, we can do nothing. Keep us attached to you. In Jesus' name, amen.